welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to week two of our winter 2023 season. We are in our Origins series where we're talking about the book of Genesis, and we are focusing on creation at the at the moment. Uh, this is Doug Becker, and I am joined today by no one. Uh, I think I did that last time I had to record an episode solo. But yeah, so I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm with the family in Texas visiting Jamie's um, um, parents and her, the rest of our family down here. So I thought I'd steal away for a few minutes and just uh, kind of go through the study guide with you guys. So this is just going to be my stream of consciousness. For those of you who are listening to the Journey Through Scripture podcast, you're probably uh, used to that by now. But uh, my apologies if some of the um, uh, if, if it's more listenable, you know, when I'm talking to someone, and of course. Um, the insights that everybody else, uh, Kristen, Jordan, Ryan, always bring are, um, I think, oftentimes make the episode. So maybe uh, I hope this one is, is going to be good. Um, but uh, yeah, so we are in the book of Genesis today. Um, the announcements, there's really nothing new here. Um, and as I mentioned, the community's extras video now has announcements on it. But I just would encourage you, if you are watching that and foregoing the announcements, please make sure that the ones that aren't mentioned on there are getting announced. Uh, In particular, we just want to make sure that any group that um, has the desire and the capacity to help at Servant's Heart um, is able to do that. And uh, an an idea, you know, in case maybe maybe, you you don't have enough people in your group who are um, in the position to be able to help with that, if you want to maybe team up with another group, that would be a good way to do it as well if you want to bless them with that. Um, so, yeah, just keep in mind the announcements. Um, our text today uh, is technically one verse, Genesis 2.15, uh, but instead of just writing one verse, I, I put all the verses that Steve mentioned in this message today, which is a melding of minds between Ryan and Steve, right? So Ryan like wrote, um, a portion of it, uh, at least outlined it and stuff, and then uh, passed it along to Steve when it became evident that Ryan was sick. I've been out of Jersey, so I have no idea how our senior pastor, Mr. Batesel, is doing, but uh, we pray that he is well. And uh, But I, also, I think that Steve really did a great job this week, and so uh, we happy. Um, the main idea that I've identified from the message is that work is a good and sacred gift given to us by God. So that's kind of what you want everyone to come away with there. Um, our icebreaker for the week is what is the best job you've ever had in your life, which I guess is a redundant sentence. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's, um, what's the best job you've ever... I'd say the job that I have right now is probably my best job. I love being able to teach the Word of God and to be able to be among the Lord's people. Um, And so that obviously has a lot to do with what today's message is. So this week we focus on one aspect of God's creation of man, and that is the goodness of work. So a couple preliminary questions, both applicational questions here. 
what is the work that the Lord has given you in this season of life, and what is your general attitude towards it? And that can be uh, everything from a vocation that you get paid for, uh, your job, um, or it could be, you know, um, something that maybe you don't get paid for. The obvious one would be uh, being a stay-at-home mom or something, watching the kiddos, and this is just a time for honesty. You know, what is what is your general attitude? Um, you know, and I know that mine can fluctuate, you know, uh, depending on where I'm at mentally um, at times, even though I just said, you know, this is probably my favorite job that I've had in my life. Um, you know, you can, our, our hearts can always find reasons to complain about things. And some of those might be more legitimate than others. And, you know, so... Um, uh, everything from frustration to, uh, to contentment, uh, to, to being tired and worn out, um, all of, or not getting along with coworkers, you know, it, it would be a good job if just not for this one person. And here we're not looking to necessarily correct people in their feelings. We're, we're going to let, um, the word and the message that Steve brought, uh, maybe do a little bit of that, but here we just want to get a read on where people are at. So what in your life has most shaped the way you think about your work? And um, I know for me, um, I tend to derive a lot of self-worth from my work. You know, I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a good and worthy person and life is good if I'm, if I'm nailing it. But when I fail, when I forget to do things that I need to do, when I don't do as good of a job as I, as I think I should have done or something, I take that really personally and um, I think that that's um, uh, very much, you know, uh, come to me through the culture, maybe from a lot of um, a lot of my home life. Uh, I know my home life growing up, there was kind of a skewed view of of work. Um, my my dad really struggled with mental health issues and with some drinking, and so you know, my mom uh, basically. Um, slaved with several jobs uh, to, to, to bring us through, and um, she didn't take a lot of joy in her work. Um, some She was running trying to run a business out of our home, and I remember I'd, like, hear her, um, like, in the middle of the day, just like, oh, like, re- like just like a, you know, um, because she was just unfairly having to pull this huge load, and, you know, so, so some of, like, work as drudgery, um, I think has seeped into my thinking. Um, so yeah, try to identify like the specific areas that we have, that we, that we pull things from. Um, you know, the thing that I struggle with, of course, as a pastor is that, um, it's so closely like, I mean, I suppose all work is, it's just that like, as, as a, uh, as, as a pastor, you know, you're doing like God stuff all day. And so, or at least you should be. (laughs) And so, Um, you know, I just sometimes have a hard time disentangling how I do at my job with how I'm doing with my work, walk with the Lord. But I don't think that that's particular to being a pastor. It's just like particularly, um, you know, um, tempting to think of it, to think of it that way, um, where we're judged by our, our performance, um, and we're judged by how much we can get done and, and results and things like that. And I think you get a lot of that from from the way that our culture views work. Like one of the one of the first questions, and I and I do this a lot too. When you're making small talk with someone, what do you do? 
and you know and I got together with my brother-in-law yesterday whom I don't see a lot and uh you know we we're talking a lot about about you know how you doing is closely tied to uh what's going on at work so um okay now um there in the sermon it was structured around like six insights about work that we draw out um from the text of Genesis, but also from various other places in Scripture. So, in some ways, this was a much more, like, topical um, message, just kind of like how the image of God thing is, uh, was, but I think even more so here, right? Because we're not told a ton about it in Genesis 2.15. Um, but there are certainly a lot of implications that can be drawn out um, from that. And so, um, Genesis 2.15 is pretty simple here. Uh the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So that's the main verse that we um, used this week. Um, so the, fir- the question, first question, Steve made the point that when we read God placed him in the garden, the word that is used is actually one of the Hebrew words for to rest. What do you think is implied by this unusual word choice and how can work be restful? And I'd point out here in a note to you leaders, this is a different term than Shabbat, which means to stop, and from which we get the concept of the Sabbath. While a Sabbath is an, is necessarily a cessation from work, right? you take a Sabbath, meaning you're not working, the kind of rest spoken of in this verse is compatible with work. So you could say you're doing it while you are working, or perhaps better, you, you can experience it while you are working. Now, this, uh, this word, and just to uh, let you know that the, the Hebrew word is nuach, and of course it is the, the word from which Noah's name is, is taken. That's like the meaning of his name. Uh, it's a little bit different than the pun on which his name is based, which is uh, given there at the end of Genesis chapter 5. Right, I, I often point out that um, a lot of times when you get like the justification in scripture, like there, you know, something happened, therefore he was called. That's not always like the meaning of the name. It just sounds like it. But the actual meaning of Noah's name is something like uh, to rest in, in this way. And so um, this, uh, uh, interestingly, like this is kind of like um, the rest in the idea of like, you are at harmony with um with with and you've kind of like arrived at the spot that God wants you to be uh this this is the term when like we read in the old testament that the, that the lord god will will uh bring you to the to the land and give you rest from all your surrounding enemies like that kind of expression right that um he'll he'll give you rest in the land um so that you can uh, do what the Lord has called you to do. It's kind of like God's God's brought you to the place where He wants you to be, and um, He's uh, th- this is the place where you can flourish, and this is the place where you can um, where you can live out the life that God has for you. Um, and so, this is obviously is very is very compatible with work. And um, so, how can work be restful? Well, even rest, even work that is difficult and toilsome, you know, maybe you're burning the midnight oil to finish up a project, or maybe, uh, maybe you're dealing with a, a situation that kind of like stresses you out, right? In that sense, 
you, it's not that those things aren't the case. It's not that work isn't hard. It's not that we we don't have to deal with the effects of sin on our work and things like that. But we can know, knowing that, hey, this is where God has me for this season of my life. This is, this it is the will of God for, for me to be here right now. And the place where you are is the work of God. I, I think back of to, um, I think the guy's name is Brother Lawrence, if I remember correctly. Um, he's, I, uh, memory serves, he's a Chinese believer who wrote like some uh, biblical devotional stuff that's been very influential in the in the church. And um, and uh, it's called the, the Practicing the Presence of God. And he talks about like washing dishes, being a dishwasher at a restaurant um, as, as an act of worship, as an act of, of, of fulfilling his purpose in the world. This is, um, very much, and it's not to say that like, you know, God doesn't want you to like aspire to anything else, but, um, there is a sense in which God wants you to have your mind on where you are now, what you're doing. Are you blooming where you're planted now? And there's no, really no place that a Christian can be planted where he can't flourish as a child of God. Think about what we just read about Paul in Acts, where he's like in prison for several years, right? That whole thing where he gets arrested in Jerusalem and then he's just kind of like kept there. He has to appeal to Caesar so that he doesn't get handed over to the to the authority to the religious authorities and stuff, right? And he's like every time he opens his mouth, he's thankful for the opportunities that this is affording him to bring the gospel to preachers to people he wouldn't otherwise have been able to reach. And that in fact is how God eventually gets him to Rome, one of his his ambitions. And so the idea is that like um, Christians of all people should really fight against this grass is always greener kind of attitude that like if just this aspect of my daily work was different, then I'd really be able to serve the Lord with my life. Um, and Maybe God does want you to change what you're doing. Maybe, maybe the thing you're in now is not the thing He has for you. But if He's, but where you are now, regardless of what um, may be or should be in the future, where you are now is the place that the Lord has given you to serve Him and to be a witness to Him. And you could do that. Um, one of the ways in which you do that is through um, working as unto the Lord. Um, think of some of these like even slave um, household codes that you have in the New Testament. There's a bunch of them. Uh, The one that particularly comes to mind is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and following, where where Paul says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a with goodwill as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. And, you know, this is not to say that, like, slavery is just totally fine, but, you know, these people, it's not like they, they're, what are they supposed to do, like, you know, rebel and, um, you know, walk away and, and, and be killed for it or something? No, but if you're in that circumstance... You can serve the Lord even in this, you know, very difficult life circumstance in which you're you're placed in. So, um, 
and and I think like the key here is here I'm doing something that is uh, unpleasant that I don't like, but I'm going to do it unto the Lord, and so I'm going to redeem this this work. And I think if Paul can say this to bond servants, to people who are who do not have their freedom, um, then how much more is that true for us who um, who who are serving in the various ways that God calls us to serve. Um, so the next question, what are some characteristics of the kind of work that brings flourishing and the kind that does not? So this is a question about like the type of work itself. And um, I think uh, Steve did touch a lot on this in his message. Um, he talked about um, different forms, uh, di- like businesses that are exploitative of, of people um uh, like the like a type of business where um you know you do you make um uh, you you have no regard for your workers and uh and just basically use them as a means to get to the point where the business is more and more profitable for its investors and um without any regard to um to the exploitation of the people who are at the bottom and then you know you drive the company to uh, the verge of extinction and uh, make sure that there's bonuses in it for everyone high up. And then you just kind of declare bankruptcy and do it again, uh, where you're not actually trying to, to bring about any good for the, for the people uh, either who are working there or for the people who have the, who are, who are receiving the products that you produce. Um, one can easily think of business of of the kind of work that is like exploitative by nature. That's like the low hanging fruit here. Um, you think of things like the pornography industry, or you think of things, um, uh, obviously like selling drugs or something criminal. Um, but there's, you know, um, there. I, I wonder if this can also like be true of various forms of um, entertainment. You know, like what ways are we pushing the culture by the things that we're producing, um, whether it be in publishing or whether it be in um, in in various forms of media. And, you know, we have to we have to be careful. Um, These aren't necessarily like easy answers, um, but are we actually like providing opportunities through the things that we do for people um, to, to know God more, to be, to live faithfully in his world. But, you know, a lot of things, um, that, that we do can be, you know, there's like pluses and minuses to everything. Right. So like, um, on the one hand, you could kind of like always make the argument that, that, um, various forms of businesses are feeding consumerism, right? So maybe you work for, um, like a, a, a jewelry company, or a clothing company, or maybe you work for a restaurant, and uh, you can always say, "Well, how much you paying for that meal? That money could have used, been used for for some for something else, right?" And 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 work ever since the creation of mankind is always like that. You can always make like the negative case as to why uh, how something could be better, or or why something is bad, and. Um, right, the allocation of scarce resources that have alternative usage, that there could always be a better, more wiser usage. And we should indeed be thinking in that um, direction as Christians, right? Like, there's always room to make the world better, um, to make it more reflect the values of the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, like, let's say you are um, uh, designing clothing, right? You're, you're, 
you're designing something that people need, or let's say you are working in a restaurant, well, this is where people bond, this is where uh, relationships get formed and things like that, right? Like I'm, I'm providing a pleasant experience for someone to have with their family, and maybe this is the only time this husband and this wife has gotten out on a date in the last couple months or something, and I'm helping to make that a good time. Um, so, you know, you, you, you want to be able to view what you're doing, not uncritically, uh, but also be able to say, you know, with everything in life, like there's good aspects of it and there's bad aspects of it. And I want to, without denying the fact that things could be better or that, you know, we can always make improvements, um, there's also a positive aspect. And by thinking about your work in that way through the positive lens, um, that does a lot to bringing us mentally to where we need to be in order to see the goodness of the work that God has given us to do. Okay, next up we read Genesis three seventeen through 19. So let me just go there real quick. Um, all right, Genesis 3, 17... Okay, so to, and, and this is uh, after the fall into sin, and here is um, God um, making these pronouncements on those who were involved in the first sin, and these are going to be trickling down now as effects of the fall of mankind, you know, something that we will be talking about in the upcoming weeks some more, so maybe stealing a little bit of thunder here, but... Um, uh, the, the relevant passage for this week's topic is, is this. So uh, God said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, I always uh, try to like be a little bit careful about how I talk about this section of Scripture here in Genesis 3. And number one, I'm a little bit cautious about calling this a curse, because the only one who is explicitly cursed in this passage is the serpent. And um, and I even even viewing this as like like God's judgment on sin now not, not no doubt like there's there's judgment for sin in the scripture right but I'm just saying that like I think it's going a little bit beyond what the text is saying uh, by 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 thinking along the lines of right like are right, you sinned and therefore as your punishment you're gonna have a difficult relationship with your husband right talking about the the thing that's said to the woman. Or as punishment for your sin, you're going to now have pain in childbirth. Um, I think it's just as I, I think. I think the you you know without going beyond. I think that's kind of going beyond what the text says. Um, what we can say is that as a result of sin being in the world, whether just like the natural results of sin. Um, or, you know, the state that is produced now by the fact that the people do not dwell in the garden presence of God, that these things are just a reality. Because of your sin, these things are a reality in the world that we live in. And and here, in God's words to the man, uh, the, the, the focus is on, is on uh, work, his labor, as in, it's now going to be unpleasant. 
your efforts will be frustrated. Your efforts will be difficult. Um, there will be sweat. There will be toil. There will be pain. And so here we have the first question under this section. How would you describe the differences between Adam's work in the garden and the work uh, in the world um, once sin has entered in? Um, so as opposed to in the garden, right, like God is providing for their every need and he is, he is providing them food. Now that's kind of like, you're not going to have access to that. You're not going to have access to God's sustenance, um, unless, uh, without having to go through toil now, without having to go through, through work, which is now going to be more difficult and which is now going to be frustrating. It's not always going to be work. Sometimes you will sow and you will not reap. Um, sometimes you, you know, of course this is an agricultural culture so that, so that these are, um, these things that are said here are kind of aimed at that, but we can easily see how this applies to all kinds of, of work. So, uh, it's basically like the introduction of pain and unpleasantness and, what is uh, good and flourishing work now becomes toil, characterized by the by sweat of the face, um, um, and and not only is your work going to produce good things, but it's also going to yield thorns and thistles. Okay, so remember how uh, I just said every job has a positive and a negative. So what is there? So in our work now, we not only get fruit from it, but we also get thorns and thistles. There's always going to be some kind of negative thing that you can say about your work, about your job. Um, so is it inevitable then that all our work will be characterized by pain and toil? Why or why not? And I think it kind of is like that. That's just a part of the sinful world in which we live now. Um, but just like, 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 look at like what God says to the woman about like pain in childbirth, right? That's a reality, but that doesn't mean that there's no joy in bringing forth a child into this world, of course, right? Um, the relationship with uh, her husband, uh, that is now going to be characterized by sin and fallenness as well. But that doesn't mean that that is intrinsically a bad thing or that there's no joy or goodness or flourishing that can come out of that. And the same way here. So yes, I think it's just as surely as there's going to be strife in marriages, just as surely as there's going to be pain in childbirth, there is going to be pain and toil in the labor that we do. But that does not mean that um, that our labor will only produce those things. Uh, there, there, uh, it, it will be a mix. It will be a mixture. Um, Okay, uh, the next thing he talks about, with uh, Steve talked about with the, the goodness of work in Scripture, is that we discover our gifts through work. So, uh, first application question here, when has work revealed a way in which the Lord has gifted you? Um, so, just uh, obviously a very personal question, so I'll answer it kind of personally. Um, well, I'll say that like when I started as a pastor— uh, I did not initially intend on becoming a pastor, actually. I, when I was doing school, I wanted to just stay in academic work. And so I, like, focused only on, you know, Bible, theology, stuff like that, and um, uh, languages, history. Uh, I didn't do I didn't. I didn't I, I took a few preaching classes, but I never really took, like, counseling or, like, 
you know, how to run a ministry type classes. And maybe that kind of shows a little bit, but I will say that through being a pastor, the Lord has really um, shown me that I have a, something of a gift in counseling that I am, I, I, I think I've, I've seen fruit and seen how the Lord uses me and like can acknowledge that the Lord has made me kind of good in terms of like one-on-one. I, far be it for me to say that I'm anything approaching a professional counselor, but just through the work, God has revealed to me something that I never really was that interested in. Uh, not that I don't like people, but you know, I've just never thought of myself as really like a competent person for advice or anything. So that's one thing that like, you know, he, he revealed to me through that. Um, but also like, um, outside of ministry, I spent years as a cook. I, uh, I did that, um, you know, through my, uh, my, my years as an undergraduate. And then a couple years afterwards work, uh, cooking full time. And, uh, I thought before that, before I started as a cook, like they had to teach me how to sweat garlic on my first day. I just didn't understand the concept. And now, uh, you know, I fancy myself as somewhat of a, of an amateur uh, chef now, you know, like I I can uh, cook meals for my family. I could cook meals for other people that people enjoy. I never knew that I was gifted in that, um, until I had work. So that's, that's what it is for me. So think of some of the examples of your, for yourself and, uh, you know, break the ice on that question. If you decide to use that question. Okay. Um, read Colossians three seventeen. So, Oh, look at that. I'm, I'm using my computer for these. We are at Genesis three seventeen. So I just have to change the name of the book of the Bible and go to it. There we go. Okay. Colossians three seventeen. whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed. So obviously this is bigger than work, but it certainly does encapsulate our work, this whatever we do. Um, and so if that's the case, you know, you who have a job that you don't love have the opportunity to obey this verse in that job, in that work that you don't love. You can do it can do whatever you unpleasant thing you have to do you are able to do it in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him sorry gotta silence that okay so how can you live out this verse how do you do that in the context of the work you do now again just very um very practical here so for me the work that i do now as a pastor it is i think i've shared this before but it is very tempting to do what i do for my own glory, so that people will think that I'm good at being a pastor or that I'm good at doing, you know, uh, Bible stuff. And then I'm smart and, you know, hey, listen to me, listen to my teaching. You know, um, that's the that's the temptation of sin that I have in my in my work. Um, and um, I think purposely, like not advertising certain, you know, things that I would like people to see is something that helps. Um, and then also um, really just the frame of mind that I do it in. And I think like um, talking about earlier that Brother Lawrence concept, that practicing the presence of God, constantly being in a mindset of prayer. Maybe that doesn't mean that I'm like always, dear Lord, um, you know, and then like going through the, the busting through the bullet points on the um, Lord's Prayer or something. 
but like constantly being in like aware of God's presence and just communing with him and speaking with him through the day. Like this is for you. Um, please bless the people that you're going to reach through this. Um, and you know, this is for you. I'm doing this not so that I can just, um, you know, scratch my own pride, but I'm doing this for you, Lord. And really having that and being open to the question that the Lord might put on my heart. Are you doing this for me? Is, you know, that's, that's kind of how I navigate that. And I think that that's probably applicable to a lot of people's work. Um, Okay. So now work as worship. This is the next point that Steve brought up, that work itself can be a means of worshiping God. So the first question, what does it mean to worship God? Um, I think it's not without reason that both in the Old Testament Hebrew and in the New Testament Greek, um, the words that are translated worship, in Hebrew it's hishtachava, and in um, and in Greek it's proskuneo, they both mean to bow down, right? So this idea of having like a prostrate um, uh, heart before God. And sometimes a literal bowing down, right? A lot of times there's a literal bowing down going on there. But the idea of like, you are my master and I am and I am serving you. And what I am doing now, I am offering to you that you may be pleased. I think that's like the central heart of, of worship. I'm doing this to honor you. I'm doing it to no other end. Um, you know, maybe there are some minor ends, right? Like I want to raise my children well, right? And so that can be there and I can be worshiping my God as ra- I'm raising my, my children. But like the primary thing, the audience that I am primarily doing this thing before is is the Lord. And obviously there's like a sliding scale of worship. Some things um, and some frames, some things that we do and some frames of mind are more worshipful than others. So this might be kind of like one of these, like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of these, these things in scripture that like, we can never check the box and say, all right, I've done that. What's next? Um, that we're, we're always kind of getting there and we've never really arrived. But I think that's the idea of worship of, of, of having a prostrate heart before him and um, and doing the thing that we're doing um, to please him, in order to please him, in order to honor him. I think, uh, you know, for my money, that I think is the, 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 the best um, uh, definition of worship that I can give. Um, and so if I am worshiping God through my work, at what point can I know that I've done a good job? And... There's, you know, one answer to that, again, as I just met, said, is, well, you've never will really be worshiping the Lord. You'll never get to that point where you say, all right, I've worshiped God in this, done, you know, um, or I, I could not have been more worshipful in this. But I think we can say that if if at any given moment I'm saying, like, I'm doing this unto the Lord, I'm doing it to please him, then, you know, that's what uh, that's the point that I could say that I've done this. And, um, and if I've done that, if that's where my heart is at, maybe I'm not the best at doing this. Maybe I made a few mistakes. Maybe, um, it could have been better the next time around, but if I, if I did it for him and if I did it unto him, then I did a good job. And the one whose opinion 
matters more to me than others' opinions or a paycheck. The the fact that he is pleased with me, that's what truly matters. And 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 if I can and if I can say that, then um then I can rest knowing that I did good work, even if I wasn't noticed, even if maybe um someone didn't approve of the job that I did. If I did that unto the Lord, then um then 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 good. Then that's that's when I've done a good job. <clears throat> All right. Now we also need to talk a little bit about the necessity of rest. Okay, so this is part of it. And remember, with the kind of work we're talking about in Genesis 2.15, rest is compatible with uh with work. Um but here also there's um we're talking a little bit more about the Shabbat idea of rest, right? That that um, part of the healthy rhythm of work is not just to say, oh, well, work can be restful, and so this work is my Sabbath. Um, not really, okay? Um, the uh, th- This is more of the, the Shabbat, the cessation part of rest, kind of the thing that, that, that Jordan was talking about in his message a couple weeks ago. I think it was on New Year's, New Year's Eve, um, on on rest. And so... In the sermon, Steve portrayed anxiety as the antithesis of godly rest and gave us the following meditation to help center us. Now, anxiety as meaning like, I can't take a break today. I can't, there's just too much to do. You know, I can't, um, I can't cease from doing this thing because you're worried about what's going to happen if you don't. And some of those worries might be legitimate, right? Some of those concerns, like, yeah, like if you just straight up worked seven days a week as opposed to resting on one of them or resting on two of them, as, as many of us do, <clears throat> um, then, yeah, you theoretically could produce one, uh, like one-sixth or one-seventh more than you would have produced otherwise, right? You've got another day to produce. But Sabbath is like saying to the world that like, my value is not in what I can produce. That's not what the standard that God holds me to. That's not what makes me worthy. In fact, nothing that I produce makes me any more of a child of God or any more of a true human being than, uh, than nothing that I produce is going to do that. Right. Um, and so to fight this anxiety, I think Steve had a really good exercise here where he encouraged us to close our eyes and say, I am not all that important at my job. The world was held together by God before I got here, and he will hold it together after I'm gone. God didn't make me for my career. God knows my every need, and he will provide for me. Okay? Some of those are old things. And some of those are hard to, to believe when you are in it, right? When you're in the thick of it, um, when you don't know how bills are going to get paid and things like that. But nevertheless, we're called to God. We're called to honor God with our rest as well and to imitate him with our rest. Um, and I actually think it would not be a bad idea to, if, you know, if you're doing, when you're, when you reach this section in, in your group, to maybe once again say, let's all close our eyes and maybe repeat after me and we'll say these things because these things are really things that people need to hear. Um, and so one question, which of these do you find the most challenging for you to accept and why? Okay, 
And um, man, for me, I'd say it's either the first or the last. I'm not all that important at my job, right? Like if I don't do this, then how is our church going to be theologically sound? <laughs> like that's, that's, you know, my pride talking, right? Like I'm God's man on the inside and I got to make sure we're all on the straight and narrow, you know? And that's just like kind of my pride talking to me. That's my, um, you know, my thinking that the world's going to fall apart without me. And then of course, like the God knows my every need and he will provide for me that like if, if I don't, um, you know, this I think is um, more applicable to those of us who aren't getting like salaried jobs, you know, or like are running a business and things like that, um, where, you know, because I get paid the same if I take a day of rest. In fact, you know, obviously as a pastor, I, I, I should be doing that. And like that, that's part of my job. If, if I came to Steve and was like, oh, I'm not taking off any days this week. Isn't that awesome? He'd be like, you're going to be in trouble if you don't. But not everybody's job is like that, right? Especially if you're running a business or if you're getting paid hourly and things and you have that option to work that other day. Um, But, you know, obviously, like everybody kind of feels this or a lot of people really feel this, me included, this 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 concern about am I going to have enough money and things. And you know what? Um, God has promised to take care of us and what we have, what we will, he will give us what we need. And the question is, like, do I trust that or do I not? And sometimes it's just our desire to have more than we um, truly need, you know, in which we need to be asking ourselves the question, like, is the kingdom of God real? And am I a citizen of that kingdom? Because if I am, then my value and my worth is not on how much stuff I have or how nice my stuff is. Okay, so the next question, we've talked about how work can become worship. How and why is rest an act of worship? And I think, again, because here it is this profound act of trust, like, uh, Lord, um, I could be doing other things with my time, but instead I'm going to give this time to you simply because I know you want me to do it. And sometimes um, doing things, even though they don't make the most sense to me, and in my assessment, I think that... uh, that maybe I should do something else or not do this thing that God wants me to do. But if I know God wants me to do it, or if I know by doing this thing that maybe I don't technically have to do, um, but it will bring me closer to the Lord, um, then maybe I should do it, you know? And that's like the, that's the attitude that, you know, Christian obedience kind of springs from. And, and it gives me delight to be closer to the Lord. And so all of those attitudes, I think, are worshipful attitudes that we can have um, in in our rest towards the Lord. Okay, next up is working to love your neighbor. So you work to love your neighbor. Uh, With some exceptions, all work is a sacred trust from God in which we can see a redemptive purpose. We already talked a little bit about that. Steve gave some examples. A utility worker on a pole brings others power so they can live for God's glory. By power, we mean electricity. (laughs) Um, someone who manufactures an obscure cell phone component enables people to have a great ministry tool. Um, again, both of these things, you could make the argument for saying, yeah, but people also do bad things with electronic devices or bad things with phones, right? But we're talking about finding the redemptive purpose to our work. So what is the redemptive purpose in your work? What is the, and obviously a very personal question there. So, um, see what your group comes up with. Um, 
At what point might a follower of Jesus need to consider a career change owing either to a lack of a redemptive purpose or a negative aspect to their job that eclipses the redemptive purpose? Okay, so here's the idea that we are weighing things in the balance. And so, like, I I know a guy who um, essentially switched companies uh, because of the way that the company was treating its workers as opposed to its, um, its executives. And that for him, even though there was a redemptive purpose in his job, like just left a bad taste in his mouth and made it hard in a good conscience for him to continue uh, doing his job. Um, and uh, but, you know, it, it might it will look different for for different people. But, you know, so that that's just an example of that. So, yeah, um, like what kind of career paths make it make it are, are difficult that way? This, in a lot of cases, is going to be a matter of conscience, although, you know, sometimes matters of conscience are quite powerful, that like in a good conscience, I can't continue to to do this work. And so I need to start steering towards another career decision, perhaps. Um, so finally, um, there is work as evangelistic. Obviously, opportunities to speak out and share the gospel are evangelistic. So, in other words, I'm not talking here about, like, I have the opportunity to share the gospel with my coworker, which, of course, is what we should be doing, okay? But we're talking about, like, work, the work in itself, like the labor in and of itself, okay? Because that's basically evangelism as evangelistic, and we all know that. Although maybe that is something that you need to put out there to people in your group, um, here we're talking about work itself, becoming a witness to others of the grace of Jesus in our lives. Um, and I note here what we often say, that the gospel cannot be communicated only through actions. Only is the key word there, right? It is good news, and news must be spoken to be shared. Um, when we talk about work as evangelistic, we mean that how we work can show people the truth of God in a way that prepares their hearts for hearing the word of truth. So, what heart attitude should you have towards your work so that people can see Jesus in you? No one word answers allowed. So faithfulness, eh, right? uh, love, eh, right? Be specific here. Um, so, you know, um, when, so perhaps, you know, for me, um, as a pastor, um, when, uh, when let's say someone comes in to be counseled or something, me letting them know that that they have value and that they're important to me and um that I you know I I listen to them and make it clear that I'm listening to them and I'm interested in them and perhaps I'm praying for them and I follow up with that like and you know so that's the work but let's say like it's something less like overtly spiritual let's say I'm washing dishes right and so um, you know, uh, that's not viewed as like the most glamorous job in a restaurant. And I have washed dishes at a restaurant before. And so, you know, uh, am I, uh, do I complain when people bring another pot to me maybe, and I've finished everything and I've gotten stuff cleaned up and, oh yeah, now you need to clean this up too. Like, do I have a complaining attitude towards them? Um, and when I have the opportunity, when people, <clears throat> When people uh, um, <clears throat> come to me and say, "Hey, doesn't this doesn't this stink?" 
maybe I can agree, you know, so as not to make them feel awkward. Like, yeah, you know, this is, this is nasty, you know, and, but, you know, I'm trying to serve God with what I'm, with what I'm doing here. And, you know, he's, he's given this to me. And so, you know, mirroring that good attitude towards them, um, might be something there. And then finally, our last question of the week, who is someone at your work, a boss, a coworker, a customer, a vendor, et cetera, whom you would like to see impacted by the witness you can display in your work? And for me, that might be someone who's a little bit newer in ministry, um, or somebody who's, um, you know, like, uh, I know looks up to me in some way, not to say that, like, I don't look up to them too, but, uh, you know, everyone's always looking up over or down. So, um, and yeah, so this is a very personal question, um, obviously, and this, this is some, something, um, that dovetails nicely into what you should be praying for those pray specifically for those people. So for prayer time, praise God for the work he has given you. Maybe it's been a long time since you've done that. Pray for God to reveal to you the ways that you can put this week's message into practice as you go about the work God has given you this week. And pray for opportunities to display God's impact in your life and how you work this week and for that to become a lifelong habit. All right, everybody. Um, unfortunately I don't have any seltzer here with me. So, um, I guess no seltzer review this week. This may be a first in the history since I, at least I've taken the helm of the discipleship podcast, but, uh, why don't you let me know what you like and maybe we'll review it on the show, um, in weeks to come. Okay. But, um, until next week, again, we thank you for, for, for leading and uh, feel free to reach out with any questions or comments or just to let me know how things are going in the group. You can reach out to either me or Jordan for that. Uh, and we are praying for you. We love you and we thank God for you. Uh, so until next week, take care and bye-bye.